the What I Watch Tonight show. Morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Death by Pod, an all new show from what I watch tonight. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me is my spooktacular uh-huh, and simply splendid co-host. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Elizabeth, or Bloggy Balboa. You may remember Bloggy from the last show, where I couldn't control myself because her name is Bloggy Balboa. So, Bloggy, how the devil are you? Have you had any kind of cake-related incidents recently? I have had a few cake-related incidences recently. That's that's not a lie. <laughs> yeah, well, please, please elaborate. Um, I fell asleep with a chocolate Swiss roll last night, and I woke up with it on my face and in my hair. Thanks for that. <laughs> have you had any right. cake-related incidences recently? I've eaten too much and now I'm a fat bastard. So um, oh, okay. that's pretty much my caking. caking I could go for a cake right now, no? I could go for a one of them. You know those ones you get from Marks and Sparks? Like reduced, maybe like to 90p. I think that'd be quite nice. Yes, yes. I could go for one of those as well. And I would quite like to actually ingest a lot of it rather than just wake up with it in my hair. <laughs> Caked in your hair. Yeah, excuse the in pun. hair. Other than cakes and um, chocolate, how on earth are you? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. How about you? I'm good. (laughs) I'm all right for this middle of the week rundown. Uh, It's a new show. I'm looking forward to this. I'm I'm excited to be doing it with you because I know you like horror films and you like to get scared. I do. I really do. So on these monthly episodes, uh, Elizabeth slash Lily slash Bloggy and myself, we pick one horror movie out of the billion of, of them out there and we basically just dive right into it. It's an excuse to turn out the lights and scare ourselves stupid once a month, mm-hmm. or at least get scared if the film's any good. So for this very first episode, we have a true horror classic to slash away at. So Bloggy, please can you reveal the movie for this episode? Do I need a drum roll? Because I don't have a drum, so I won't. <laughs> it's Halloween! Released in 1978, directed by John Carpenter. And starring Donald Pleasant, Jamie Lee Curtis, PJ Souls, and probably loads of other people that never went into any other films ever again. Every kid in Haddonfield thinks this place is haunted. They may be right. Hey, Linda, Lori, why didn't you wait for me? We did. 15 minutes. It totally never showed. That's not true. Here I am. I saw the boogeyman. I saw him outside. There was nobody outside. There was. What do you look like? The boogeyman. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I'll kill you if this is a joke. He came home. See anything you like? I spent eight years trying to reach him. 
and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. To be fair, quite a lot of them didn't, <laughs> didn't do much after this. No. One of the... Um, I checked out IMDb for this, as you should do. Yeah. And the lady who played Annie, uh, Nancy Kyes, or oh, Nancy yeah. Loomis, as she was known, she basically hasn't done anything since this film. And if you are listening, Annie, which is a long shot, but you might do, I apologise for this in advance, but her IMDb profile is hilarious. It basically says, you know, Nancy is a tremendously talented actress, hyper-stunning to look at, who regrettably didn't get enough roles that she... That she should have done, basically. Okay. And it's it got up. about three paragraphs. Yeah, it's, it's called a it's pretty, about... perky, and appealing. That's it. She's never, <laughs> got... she's never escaped the the seventies typecast world and the now typecast. I think poor Annie. I know. I read it and I thought, bless her. She, you know, she really did try to to to, to blog up this pretty much one performance. But you know, it's probably more. She, she's done more than I'm going to do. And she was okay in the film, but I'll get on to on to Annie later on. But I thought I'd just quickly mention that because it made me <laughs> made me chuckle. So that is quite um, funny. And the and the IMDb profile picture of her is her dead. <laughs> it's her laying on the bed with Judith Myers's grave, just like that. I think that's her... a metaphor for her career. Yeah, that's probably what they put in the actors' directory. That's why she had such a short stint. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, this lady's dead. We'll, we'll move on and find someone else. She could have had a great career in front of her. <laughs> Pretty but... perky corpse. <laughs> yeah, oh. stunning to look at, but you know, unfortunately, pulseless. Smells a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from rotting, fleshy corpses, mm-hmm. um, Halloween. Yep. What an awesome film! It, I mean, it's originally called The Babysitter Murders, but the producer Erwin Yablins came up with the. You know, quite a novel idea of changing the story to be set at Halloween. Um, this film was made for about $300,000 and went on to gross $70 million worldwide. So at the time, it was the wow. highest grossing independent film. Exactly. It's now been taken over by uh, Valerian. But at the time, it was the biggest, you know, profit, the profitable independent film of all time. And not a bad film, I don't think, to have holding that accolade. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? It could be a lot worse. I mean, there was a few cool casting choices as well for this film, which never happened. John Carpenter, did this will uh, interest you, being the keeper of Hammer Secrets, but Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee were actually approached to play the Sam Loomis role in the <laughs> film. I bet they both said no. They both said no, and apparently Christopher Lee regretted it horribly afterwards. He said it was the biggest mistake he ever made. I'm not yeah. sure whether I'd have liked Christopher Lee in the film, and I like him in quite a lot of his things. I heard he was he's actually a, was a bit of an asshole in real life, so it's probably I like Donald Pleasance, you know, like he was a nice guy. I thought he did okay in the role. I mean, Chris, Donald Pleasance never released any heavy metal albums in his nineties, like Christopher Lee did, but you know, he probably went on to do some other cool things. I never what? Hold up, uh, what? Christopher Lee? Did that happen? Yeah, in his nineties, he had sort of he had this kind of. <laughs> It's like Black Forest. You mean when he was 90 years old or in the 90s? No, in his 90s. He had this kind of like Shut Black up. Forest um, Viking metal and he was re- he basically <laughs> just recite kind of like passages from like Tolkien over the top of it. That's mad. Check it out, honestly. It's, it's, it's on YouTube. It's, 
It's fascinating. <laughs> I can't believe I did not know about this. Okay. Put the cake down and go and check it out later on. I will. I will. Well, hopefully that's your night sorted out then. But Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis was brought on as the, I guess, like relative new, relatively unknown, I guess, at the time. Yeah, I think she was introduced in the credits, so I think it was her first. Her first. Yeah, and her mother wasn't too bad in horror film. She was in Psycho 18 years previously, so there's certainly pedigree running through them veins. Yeah. But I in this... Know, <laughs> um, she succeeded where her mother failed in the films, but... There's quite a lot of <laughs> cool little facts about this film. It It's a horror film, like we're going to get into later on, obviously, how it looks, but it's obviously bathed in shadows for the most part, but that's actually, that was necessity because the the production couldn't afford the lights, so the film pretty much had to be filmed in the shadows. The actors wore their own clothes. There wasn't a costume set, so actors basically went out and bought their own cost- their wardrobe, which I think's pretty cool. A throwback to the days of how it should be done. <laughs> Where all the staff are treated like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Donald Pleasance bought bought his own suit. I I reckon that he probably had that coat just waiting in the wings for a role exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, he bought. I bet he bought about uh, twenty years early. He's like, one day I'm going to get the call. And I'm going to need this coat so I can skulk around Illinois. Yeah, or he was just you know he was planning on being a flasher at some point in his life. <laughs> and then he got the call, and it's and it and, it, and yeah, his life went a completely call. different way. He was like, "Well, I'm not using this coat for what I expected to use it for." <laughs> we don't know what he did behind the scenes. No, that's true. I don't think we want to know either. Maybe Donald wasn't so pleasant. Wait. Oh, here we go. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Bloggy one, beast nil. Yeah, congratulations on that on that pun. I, I quite enjoyed that. See how many more we, more we can get in before we finish. Okay. So, so that is kind of, I mean, Halloween didn't have a big, uh, extensive backstory to it. It was John Car- John Carpenter came up with the idea, essentially. It was financed by a chap whose name I can't remember, who didn't have any faith in the film, basically. And then when it made a lot of money, he then went on to finance every other sequel that came afterwards. But it, So let's, guess, let's just jump straight into it, because you picked this film, so I'm guessing you think it's at least pretty good. Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's like, well, I think to watch it now, it it can be a bit challenging if you, I don't know, perhaps don't really watch many horror films and then you watch Halloween and you're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool film. There's actually like, there's not really that much blood in it. True. Which is odd for a slasher film, but they're really like, if you look back on all of the you know the kill scenes and that there's just uh yeah there's not really that much blood and stuff it's all done on you know how how it's making the audience feel how the shots make you feel and stuff that's why i think it's pretty good i don't mind a bit of in films anyway a bit of gore and a bit of violence but i think this film actually benefited from not having sausages being pulled out of people's abdomen for intestines and (laughs) blood flying everywhere i think it actually worked better because it took 55 minutes for the main villain, Michael Myers, to actually, you know, be unleashed within the film. So they really did hold back and hold back. And uh, I think I'm going to say this on every episode because I'm a noob, but The Exorcist is my favourite film of all time. And that <laughs> is a similar type of aesthetic. Yes, they mm. have moments when she's <laughs> violently masturbating with a crucifix, for example, but 
it doesn't all go to pot until the very end. Before that, they kind of yeah. build up and build up and build up. And in this film, they tease Michael. They tease him. He's there. He's there. He's he's behind the car. He's you know hanging out the washing. He's over the other side of the road looking in through the school. So I quite enjoyed the fact that they were quite restrained and didn't just go you know balls to the wall all out. Here's the bad guy and he's he's chopping off boobies and guts. <laughs> I mean, like, I think if you look at some of the films that came out around about that time, I mean, you look at Jaws, which, you know, kind of created the summer blockbuster and was Mm -hmm. one of the most successful films at the time. And then you've obviously got The Omen. And they both played on this, you know, there's there's this unstoppable monster kind of, you know, prowling about and... But you don't really see that monster for absolutely ages. And I think Halloween, um took a lot from from those kind of films and that probably was one of the reasons why it was so commercially successful where other horror films had just completely flopped. Yeah, I agree. I think it would have got more people into the cinema if Michael Mars was actually a great white shock. But um that would have been quite <laughs> interesting to see but um yeah, it's I, just it's... a great white mask. That's oh, he's done it again. I've done um, it again. This is this is this is gonna be a hoop guys, I can just tell. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point now about things like Jaws because I I think oh, this is going to sound proper generalising, but and I don't mean to. If anybody out there who is under the age of fifteen, don't come at me with your hashtags. But I I do think that you know your audiences who are maybe younger and have grown up with you know more intense slashes or more in your face horrors may struggle with the likes of Jaws, Carrie, The Omen, Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, even things like the classics like Rosemary's Baby. I mean that is not what you would expect it to be. So I think this fits into it. I like the fact that it's it's more kind of plays on the story rather than the slashing, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I think like, and well, because if you look at, because a lot of people kind of think that this is the first slasher movie and it, you know, it wasn't. I think it was just the first slasher movie to get some kind of recognition and get some kind of attention and that really was the catalyst for pushing the whole like boom period off. But like Black Christmas, there's a lot of a lot of people have said that Halloween has took the formula of of Black that you know took the kind of structure of Black Christmas and just elaborated on it because you know I don't know if any like if you've seen Black Christmas but it's yeah. kind of like yeah there's no there's no big reveal there's just this sort of like you feel like there's an imminent threat but you don't it never sort of manifests it's just like it's just there and you just feel really uncomfortable the whole time watching it. But there's no like, there's no real scare. There's no like gratification from it. Whereas Halloween, you do get scares and you do get, you know, he's the boogeyman, isn't he? So that's yeah, that's something scary. that's brought up quite a lot is the boogie is the boogeyman's coming. Um, would you yeah. call the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Would you say that was a kind of slasher? Yeah, I would. I think. Um, I mean, that was four years previously. Prior, sorry. Yeah, I think I think it definitely is. I think that there's because um, a lot of people kind of think you know, the slasher films, they have to have a knife and stuff. Whereas I just, I think if they're preying on teenagers in a, you know, in a location where maybe they're vulnerable, then yeah, like it's definitely a slasher film. Yep. I'd say that's where we are. Um, I like the, I like the illusion to black Christmas. I hope, I hope when we get towards the festive period, maybe we can jump onto that film because I haven't seen it for a long time. Oh, I love black Christmas. It's, it's bloody hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, in six months' time, for all you listening, we're gonna do Black Christmas. I've already ruined the tension for you. 
So Black okay. Christmas is coming in December. I'm already looking forward to it, uh, but I'm sure we're going to have an awful lot of, of japes before then. So getting into the film, Halloween, it starts with a bloody cool introduction with the pumpkin or the jack-o'-lantern for our Atlantic cousins. Just with that awesome score, which John Carpenter himself composed. I love the score. I love that the theme yeah. of this film. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, like, especially that, like, the beginning part where you've got the pumpkin there and it's that slow zoom in to the pumpkin's eye. And I just think that's so awesome because then the next scene, you're in, obviously, the point of view of Michael Myers. So yeah. it kind of sets the tone straight away. Like, this film is going to be either about voyeurism or it's going to make you watch, it's going to make you see, it's going to make you, like, bear witness, I suppose. It, it certainly does. It Also, I mean, like you say, this it, it's the point of view of Michael about... It's his sister, we find out, is um, getting jiggy with her boyfriend. Na, 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 na. Ooh. Um... <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> That was a we're, proper grunt. Like you, you meant that. Yeah, we're here all night, guys. We don't just do horror here. We do, we, we do a bit of the old Will Smith as well. Um, so yeah, so they're so they're getting down to it, uh, and that, and this basically has created this, the cliche that if you have sex, you will die, or if you engage in any kind of lurid, filthy act, then you're in trouble. And sex um, equals death. Exactly, it's the horror convention now, and Scream, I think it's Scream, what, one of them, really went into that. But Scream. It, oh, awesome, thanks for that, it was just Scream, I knew it. I was just testing you there, Bloggy. But here we, yeah, so they're, they're doing stuff. Um, he must have been very good at his job, because there was only like a minute gap between them going upstairs and what happened. Uh, so yeah, we, we get the point of view shot. Whippersnappers, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't understand that you've got to do things before. You just don't just dive straight in. We also hear for a bit of advice if you need some about that guy. Yeah, but yeah, if you need there's, to talk. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a really flippant line, which which when we realise who or what Michael Myers is and what he becomes, when they're sort of getting down to it, the boyfriend says, oh, you know, are you sure we're alone here? And his sister says, not his sister, <laughs> Michael's sister says, you know, Michael's around here somewhere. And you, you just kind of think it's a throwaway line. Who's Michael? Who cares, actually? It doesn't matter. You realise mm. that he's actually going to be the catalyst for this film and everything else afterwards so I quite liked that but then yeah you go up the point of view goes upstairs and um Michael's sister's getting changed and the next thing you know she's getting stabbed to death yeah it escalates quite quickly doesn't it yeah it doesn't put any punches no so she's yeah but I think like the that scene is there's a cool like little easter egg so as a like as the boyfriend comes in he like scares Michael Myers' sister with the clown mask. Yeah. He like puts it on and goes, Rah! and she gets all freaked out. And then he kind of dumps it and then goes off to, I'm going to use the word penetrate to make a point. And then <laughs> Michael Myers takes the mask and it's almost like he's, he's like this kid and he's just, he's just seen like sex or whatever for the first time. And he has no, and he's, it's like a voyeuristic thing, you know, and he has no idea what's going on. And it plays back to the whole this eye of the pumpkin thing. Like his perception of what's going on is so skewed that he then goes upstairs and also penetrates his sister while wearing the same mask that the boyfriend wears. <laughs> so it's all like kind of playing on what would later become, I guess, like a real convention of the slasher movie, which is that the knife is just a, a big dick metaphor, really. Well, it is, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. He basically goes up and ruts his own sister with a knife. 
Yeah, while she's, you know, while she's naked. It's all very bizarre. Yeah. Um, her her reaction to him as well is so, like, it's like it happens all the time. Oh, Michael! (laughs) At at least knock this next time so I can make sure I'm (laughs) facing you. Yeah, I know what you mean. I did think that this particular part, when she is being um, stabbed, her reaction is a bit soft, I think, to being stabbed. And I've never been stabbed, but I can imagine I wouldn't react in the same way that she did. It was kind of, it was almost like kind of like, she's just sort of going, ah, ha, ah. And I thought, she'd be screaming bloody murder, surely. And but I thought that was a bit, you know, the acting wise, she didn't really commit, I don't think, to being stabbed. To, no, uh, but the, but in terms of the what was actually happening, yeah, we then find out that the person, because we didn't see, we hadn't seen Michael, we just know it, we just see his point of view. We then see this kid walk out of the house in a clown suit with the knife like, drenched in her sister's blood. We realise so this, this is a kid who's done that. Yeah. And then the fact, like, what I found the most like bizarre, and it's again, it's just an it's an acting thing, and I think it's symptomatic of the time when it was made as well. Like, they still hadn't quite grasped the idea of a narrative, like, <laughs> and how to how to effectively play that. Whereas now, you get fully immersed in a story happens, and in five minutes, you're like, oh wow, I'm so invested. But that's why I think Halloween lot like, hasn't aged very well because you have to really work at it sometimes. But they kind of like say. He comes out of the house and mum and dad rock up and they're like, Michael. And then they just stand staring at him and the camera kind of zooms out, That's you know, it. and you're thinking, in what world is this normal? They wouldn't, they, they were just staring at him. They weren't doing anything. They weren't asking no questions. Oh, I found that bit quite amusing. If I walked down the street and saw somebody standing there in a clown suit with a knife, I'd probably freeze, but then I'd also run the other way. But if it was uh, somebody close to me, then... I probably asked a question at least, you know, what the hell have you, you know, what have you done? What's happening? Why are you standing there with a bloody knife? Alas, we're all le- we're left in silence. We find out that Mr. Myers uh, has grown up, and the film that 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 sorry that particular scene was set in nineteen sixty three. We then screech forward fifteen years to nineteen seventy eight, the same year the movie was created. Uh, Michael's mm. in a sanitarium. There is a guy, Mick Loomis who spent his formative years speaking to Michael, trying to understand him, and eventually spent the last half of his incarceration trying to keep him in there because he knows what he is, he knows what a threat he is. Um, he's a nutter. He's a nutter with a mask, and he doesn't say anything either. But he escapes from the sanitarium in a slightly easy way, if you ask me. The Him and a yeah. somebody, a doctor, drive up to the sanitarium, and, and there's this kind of loonies in the field, all dressed in white, just milling around like I don't know what they're doing really and then he gets out of the car and he says to this woman you wait here surrounded by these you know lunatics I'm going to yeah. go over there she doesn't lock the doors either that pissed me off and also I find it odd that he didn't hear the commotion he was only about 10 <laughs> steps away yeah that is really odd actually I know it obviously there'll be people out there saying well it wouldn't be a very good film if he just turned around and said oh clear off but it has to have that kind of tension somewhere but um, yeah, so Michael Myers, who's been incarcerated for 15 years and hasn't spoken a word, is able to drive a car um, away from the scene of a crime. I mean, it took me ages to learn how to deal with a clutch, but Mr Myers did it straight away. So not only is he a, a serial killing genius, he's also bloody good at driving. Yep, absolutely. That bit's really strange, though, because I, I, I feel like they, they do sort of touch on it later on, but it's never fully explained how everybody got out. And why nobody gives a shit? Like, 
it's, they're just yeah it's just like oh well every, everyone's just having a wonder about this evening <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it <laughs> that's that is true actually because loomis he goes to the sheriff's office so and he kind of says or the sanitarium he kind of tells him look one of your patients has has escaped and they're just kind of like are you sure he can't drive are you sure and he's like yes he's just fucking escaped and he's stolen a car i saw it he was very good at driving the car and they kind of yeah. just like yeah i'm sure we'll come back yeah, because he's like, one of you must have taught him. That's it, yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, he must have had lessons from one of you or something. And you're like, ooh, good, maybe good the impression. devil taught him how to drive. Ooh, I, think that that's, I think that's the inference, isn't it? That he's just, he's this unstoppable force. Yeah, he's basically evil personified. He's No clutch will stop him. <laughs> yeah, not even a manual transmission can stop Michael. <laughs> put away in fifth. He doesn't care. It'd be a pretty rubbish film, though, if he got pulled over by the police and they re-arrested him for not having a licence. <laughs> <laughs> you take the mask off, please? Oh, OK. <laughs> and him shuffling out, shuffling out all sorrowful with his little mask in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That would be funny. It didn't happen, though, did it? No, he didn't wake up with cake in his hair, but he did learn how to drive a car in the, with a click of a finger. This is when, for me, when the film really starts to get decent. I mean... The first part is still okay, but it does seem like they just very quickly wanted to get to the action. When I say action, mm. I mean introdu- introducing the the main characters, setting up their story, and sort of really starting to ramp up the tension, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I guess, I suppose when you think about it on, like, a, a deeper a deeper level, I suppose that whole thing is, like, because I think the thing that I love about Halloween the most is that, you know, obviously, we did Black Christmas was in a, a sorority house, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of at a university or whatever. But, you know, sorority houses, that was kind of remote. There wasn't really many people about. As I remember rightly, the, the, it was out of season or whatever uni was out or whatever it is, college. Whereas Halloween, you start off in this, this mental institute where it's, you know, it's dark and stormy and it's kind of a bit like, you know, Dracula's castle. You just... It's in a weird location, I suppose. And then him stealing the car has given him right to sort of intrude on the American suburb, which is um, mm-hmm. awesome, I guess. He's he is one of the first, uh, you know, slasher killers to 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 go into the American suburb and and sort of attack American ideals and American values, which is shit hot for the time it was really really self-aware i think yeah you're you're spot on it's a really nice looking suburb as well to be honest i'd quite like to live in some of those houses but yeah you're right it how they got there is fairly patchy but the idea behind it stands up and is solid and it is to be honest mm. still scary today because it's not like we don't have nutters running around uh, with knives just killing people willy-nilly in but london in London, in Dunstable, in Woking, anywhere. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. There could well have been someone stabbed in in Dunstable. I'm sorry if there there was. <laughs> if there if there is, I will bleep this entire section out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we get to that suburb, and we meet. Uh, firstly, actually, there's it's Halloween. It's, you know, it's Halloween. Well, it's, it's a day before Halloween. Actually, we've got the three. We've got the three young girls in the film. We have Laurie, played by the wonderful Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Nancy Loomis, who was 
regrettably hasn't been in more films despite her stunning looks and her intense acting ability and her corpse picture. That's it, her perky personality. And PJ Souls played Linda. So we've got Linda, Laurie and Annie are our three heroines to follow. Yeah. Uh, so they're you know they're coming out. They're in school. We find out that Laurie's kind of the she's the bookworm. She's more interested in her in her books and pens, and she's boys and penis. Whereas Linda yep. and Annie, they are more into the rough stuff. Uh, so are. we're kind of setting up their personalities already. They they all also have a penchant for babysitting uh, in the same street. So we kind of find out a bit more about them. And initially, what did you think about their characters? Yeah, I mean, so I guess they're, to me, they're archetypal, but at the time, maybe not. Um, I mean, the co-producer, Deborah Hill, she, I think she was um, she was with John Carpenter, like they were involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she wrote the, the girls' dialogue uh, because she felt that, she felt that John Carpenter wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, portray young women at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, because she did something, there was something like the pom-pom killers or there was something to do with pom-poms and she did that as well. And she kind of argued that, you know, women were becoming like more important, I guess, and that they should kind of be a focal point and that it was often the girlfriend in the relationship that decided what movie they saw. So they thought, mm-hmm. oh, we should probably target we should probably try and target a, like a broader female audience. Um, and so they're kind of, she's done it so that they've all got these, um, yeah, it was called like the pom-pom girls. That was it. But they've got all this dialogue where it's kind of, you've got Laurie on one hand who isn't sure about doing that. She's worried about, you know, forgetting her school books or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, Linda who's like, oh, you know, I, I always forget my school books. I forget this. I forget that. And they've just got these kind of comfortable middle class existences, really, that all they need to worry about is forgetting their school books, going to the prom, you know, shagging their boyfriends. You know, there was. Um, so that was quite interesting when I read that and then watched the movie. And I was like, OK, so this is what Deborah Hill thought would target young women to go and see the movie, because they all seemed really vapid to me. But. Maybe that's what girls were like in 1976 or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll ask my dad what they were like. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think they came totally. across as... <laughs> oh, bla- oh, Totally. <laughs> Linda kept saying totally, didn't she? Absolutely kept saying totally. Yeah. We yeah, totally but... waited for you. Yeah, she totally got her comeuppance later on in the film. But um, yeah, I thought they came across as fairly normal. Yes, they had the uh, the middle class. It, everybody in these films always has very nice houses. They live in generally live in decent areas and have nothing going against them really, apart from you know the promise of maybe forgetting their school books. But I mean, they, they, they came across they're all about as, to be killed. <laughs> yeah, what they don't realise is the impending death that's coming. There's an awesome line later on in the film that Loomis delivers to Sheriff Brackett, who's actually. Annie's father, when he says, you know, death has come to your little town, Sheriff. I yeah. thought, yes. That's, yeah. There's no way, more way of being more melodramatic and getting the point across and saying that. Um, he, and he also just mocks his town at the same time. You know, your little <laughs> town. Death's come to this slum bag. I thought it was a nice little town. I could crush this little town with a thought. <laughs> yeah, Haddonfield. Haddonfield is actually in New Jersey, I think, or New York. But they, they moved it to Illinois for the purposes of this film. 
Um, so Haddonfield is a nice sort of leafy little suburb. But and then so we've met the girls. It's, well, yeah, it's very leafy. They had to. I read that they had to paint the leaves orange because they filmed it in San Francisco, which obviously isn't a very leafy area. Yeah, it's set in Halloween. So yeah, it's set in Halloween, uh, and it's usually quite hot over there. So they had to basically just go out and get loads of leaves, paint them orange, and sort of um, just brown. Them about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just chuck them around to make it look like it was rather than filming somewhere which was actually had that um, seasonal weather. But hell, it worked. I mean, you've met you've met the girls. They're kind of alluding to something bigger. It's, it's Halloween's coming, so we know something's going to go down. And then, suddenly, I mean, Lorik is being haunted by this guy in a boiler suit with a mask on. He's 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 behind the bushes. He's outside the school window. He drives past in the car. So it's some pretty cool little setups for you know this this madman's on the loose. Yeah. Um, which is an which is an ugly kid Joe song. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Um, <laughs> So this guy's on the loose, and we don't know who he is. She doesn't know who he is. He seems to know her, so it's already setting up that intrigue. Yeah, there's like some really interesting things with that. Like, and I didn't, I didn't notice it until I watched it, rewatched it recently. Because um, I've got this whole theory with Halloween that he's, you know, he's attacking the American suburb and American ideals and all that stuff, which I'll probably rant about later. But he, um. Whenever he pops up anywhere, I kind of noticed that it was almost like, I can't think of like for a better term of it, but it's like the iconography of like suburban life. So Mm -hmm. like the first time that she sees him, you know, she's walking down, uh, you know, just the street. And I, I seem to remember reading somewhere that like the whole point of it being in the suburb as well was that people would identify with it and be like, well, that looks like my street because obviously Mm -hmm. suburbs all kind of look the same. So she's walking down the street and he's behind her, you know, popping out of a bush or whatever. And that's kind of one thing where you think, oh, yeah, okay. So other people might see that and think, oh, that looks like where I walk home from school. And then, you you know, she's in class, minding her own business. And he's outside the school where everyone goes to learn. You know, there's probably only one school in the area. And then he's popping up in the washing, which, by the way, is the funniest thing. <laughs> like, I don't know why she finds that so scary. He's, <laughs> he's got a wash as well. It's really cracking me up. He's just <laughs> in the middle. Like, he's perfectly in the middle of the washing, just like sniffing her pants, basically. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> she looks back again and he's got like a full, like, you know, bloomers, pantaloons. Like, oh, Laurie. <laughs> he's wearing them. But, um, you know, like even just like simply being in the washing, it's kind of like, you know, there's to me that felt like, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're, that's a family life. There's people hanging their washing out. You know, there's it's it's kind of really it seems simple, but I just don't think it is. I think it was all kind of done a bit on purpose. And I think the other time she sees him is on the porch of someone of her neighbor's porch or whatever, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, these are quite commonplace things, but they've all got really strong links with like the home and family, which is what the suburbs were supposed to be all about. I found that quite cool. Yeah, it is. You've hit the nail I'm on done. the head there. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for coming on tonight, Bloggy. I'll take it from here. Yes. Um, no, you've, you've you've smashed it there because it's true. School, your backyard, pants, across the street. You know, basically, and when he's walking home, he's driving past. So it's kind of like the idea that doesn't matter where you are, you know, in the, in this suburb, which the audience can relate to, 
the boogeyman could literally be in the car. He could be in your back garden. He could be across the street. He may even be outside your school. It's kind of that almost like claustrophobic feel where it feels like literally nowhere is safe. It, it, he literally just had to turn up at a breakfast table eating Frosties and it <laughs> that would have just been the next thing. We didn't get to the Frosties bit, but yeah, you're right though. But we don't know who he is. We know obviously that he's clearly not right in the head because he wears a mask and a boiler suit and he is stalking young women. But, I mean, not to, without meaning to jump forward completely, in between the moments where he's can't... Gonna be like, the end scene is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't want to jump forward, but thanks for listening, guys. Until next time. <laughs> <See you later. laughs> yeah, but in, I mean, in bet- between those scenes and when, it actually, when you know, Michael really unleashes his fury, then there's just kind of a lot more set up, a lot more talking, a lot, kind of, a lot of sort of near misses going on. Mm. There's also a little moment where there's these kids... They're singing a trick or treat song. They're singing trick or treat, trick or treat. Give me something good to eat. I don't even say please. Sounds more like a rap, to be honest with you. <laughs> it, it's, it's probably just my streetwise nature, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm down with those kids, but they don't even say. They don't even say please. It really winds me up. Ah uh, well, can't teach manners these days. That's why Michael Myers came to the suburbs. If you don't say please and thank you, you're probably going to get stabbed. He was just there trying to imply, impart some manners. Just he just used yeah. a knife to do it. On that knife was the word please, I bet. <laughs> oh, do you remember... Given that I've already said that his knife is a big metaphorical penis, that's quite... <laughs> you say that's to... a loaded statement. Oh! Ooh, hello there. He just, wanted to, he, just, he just wanted to get his end away. So... <laughs> quivering, angry inch. He just wanted the length. <laughs> anyway, enough of the, uh, enough oh. of the innuendos. Bloggy, please, you are, you are corrupting this show. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Can you remember what the cheerleaders sing as well? Just, just, just off the cuff. What cheerleaders? There are cheerleaders in the school. Oh, um, we're something like we'll say it loud, we'll say it proud. I can't remember what the song is though. It is, a th- it's something like we're from Haddonfield and we're proud. Let's say oh, it again. Oh, something, something. Can't hear us now. We'll yell a little louder. That's, that's it. it. That's well, it. How it keeps. Well, pretty much like that. We're from Haddonfield and we couldn't be prouder. For those who didn't hear whatever it says, we'll say it louder. Do you now want me to sing that? Absolutely, I do. No. <laughs> Maybe later. Maybe later. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we'll... Here, ask me again and I'll probably be a little bit more compliant. I can, I can, I can leave that one Loomis over you. Oh! Ooh, that's like 5-0 five, like five now. This is, it this... is. Hey, you mentioned you mentioned him eating frosties at breakfast, and I wanted to shout about him being a serial killer. And I thought, like, no, hold you it back. You missed out on the greatest joke possible. I you did. could have penetrated like, everybody I, I listening. I missed out on that for the Loomis one, and it sucked really. <laughs> to be honest, now I think you should have gone with that. I'm quite annoyed that you've gone with that. Actually, sorry, I'm sorry okay. that I've annoyed you. <laughs> uh, there's some cool. <laughs> There's some good music in it. I'm not going to... Other than the cheerleading and the kid not saying please, they also bust out Blue Oyster Cult and Don't Fear the Reaper. Um, yes, quite a cool do. scene because the Reaper is following them. Go for it. Now's your chance. I wanted to bring it up because, like, because Scream. Have you noticed this? Uh, it might help if you tell me what I should All right, know. so... <laughs> sorry, I just thought that you... Blo- <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, so, in Scream... So, obviously, in Scream, his name is Billy Loomis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've got that. You've got um, 
there are loads of like uh, scream like references because it's a postmodern slasher. It kind of references other slasher films and exposes its own kind of conventions. And there's this whole thing with that. But in Scream, they play the Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. And it's almost like there's a lot of nods to with Scream kind of nodding back to Halloween, which people are like, oh, yeah, it's the first true slasher film. Yeah, I just wanted to nerd out. <laughs> Because where's Craven? No, yes, good point. I hadn't put two and two. I remember the Loomis character from Scream. I hadn't put two and two together. But yeah, Scream makes a huge point of that. And of course, they go on to the convention about if you do it, you die. And the Virgin is the one who always makes it out, etc., uh, etc. Et but and they any excuse, yeah, they do. And any excuse to bust out "Don't Fear the Reaper" is is a win in my books because I really like that song. Who doesn't? Good, Maybe Laurie Strode. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had that on his um, iPod for just 15 years, just listening to that. Over and over and over again. And then when he finally got his car and he realised I had a tape deck, he thought, wow, I can, I can cruise now and listen to this. <laughs> he's, got, what, he's got his arm, he's getting a, like, you know, like a builder tan. <laughs> yeah, one arm out the window, the other one yeah. cradling his knife. He's living the dream, that guy. I think we've he given is. him a bit of a bit of a hard rap. Maybe he'll do that thing, you know, like when you put your hand out the window and you sort of do like ocean things. We're like, woo, whoop. Do you know what I mean? I'm picturing it now and I'm wishing I, I hadn't. I just did it and no one can see me, which is the worst part. But I, yeah. You know, when you kind of like coast your hand along the breeze, like, yeah. Ask the like... guy looking through the window if he saw it. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, I'm not being scary. I best stop. i breathing healthy again. I best wave my hand like the ocean. That will do it. Maybe I have a dolphin coming through my fingers. <laughs> um, so that, none of that actually happened in the film, but it would have been good if it did. Michael is kind of psychologically or terrifying them. Laurie, anyway, he's kind of here, there and everywhere. She goes to babysit Tommy. Uh, one, Annie then goes to babysit uh, Lindsay, I think her name is. The two kids yeah. live on the street. So they are near each other. They're proximity and logistically very close to each other. And... They're watching Halloween films. They're making, they're cutting pumpkins, and this is when it starts to get to what is the more traditional, I say slasher. I mean, there's not really a lot of slashings, but this is when we kind of get to the more of the cat and mouse games. Now it takes fifty four yeah. minutes to of the film. It's only an hour and a half, but Michael is unleashed. He turns up at Annie's house. Prior to him turning up, she spills butter over herself. You know, as you usually do, spill butter over yourself. Gets yeah. her kit off and then gets caught. Uh, trying to climb out of a wood door in just her pants, which is, you know, just story, I guess. Did probably didn't need to be in the film, but um, uh, <laughs> I mentioned that because I was kind of watching it thinking, well, what, what, what is any of this achieving other than giving a couple of kids something hard? She, she then is, she's killed. She's strangled. Michael finds her, he strangles her and then slices her throat in the car. This is when we realise, you know, this guy isn't fucking He's not messing anymore. about, yeah. No, he's not. I mean, I think like the whole the whole thing with Annie though is this, you know, the fact that like you said, it took fifty however many minutes you said fifty whatever minutes to to get him to to actually come and do something. The whole build up is this nervous kind of uh, we're watching it and we're powerless to kind of do anything. We can see that Michael Myers is watching her, and we're almost kind of forced to laugh at her. You know, it's kind of funny. She she's got her ass in the air and she's stuck in a window, 
in in the most stupid way as well. Like, <laughs> who gets their foot stuck like that? Nobody, apart from someone who's about to get killed. But like, so I think there's there's significance to it in the sense of he's trying to make you feel extremely uncomfortable in a situation where you think, God, that could be me. You know, where she's like, Oh, I forgot my keys, la la la. And you're thinking, yeah, you, you, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to laugh, but I don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah, and she dies in the most undignified way. And she's just got a, she's got a shirt on, she's in her pants, she's in a car, and she just she gets strangled, and then Michael just, well, he's a cold-hearted killer, but just mercilessly just slices her throat open. And she slumps into the window with a, with a kind of shocked, oh, I've just had my throat sliced look on her face. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously there's the kind of, like, they're objectifying her, um, mm-hmm. and there's the whole, the slasher thing about object of the gaze, which I should say is spelled G-A-Z, you know. <laughs> um, she's, uh, you know, we're, we're to kind of watch this all play out, and we're watching her with very little on, and then when he does actually come to kill her, I mean, if you weren't, if you if you take away the synthy music that's obviously Halloween and you maybe weren't looking at the telly, you'd think someone was watching a porn. You know, she's kind of really she's giving it some when she dies. She's not just uh, she's not gonna, she, she doesn't sound like she's in peril. Let's put it that way. This, is uh, is watching a porn the right way to say it? I don't know. I mean, y- yes. I'm gonna go watch me a porn. Um, I'm gonna go and know. watch a porn. How else Hopefully. would you say it? Some porn. Watching porn. Watch porn. Indulging in pornography or, or artis- <laughs> artistic <laughs> cinema. Like thing where you're like, can you look that up on the Googles? <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's also a moment when before that when young Tommy is about what ten maybe. Yeah, and he <laughs> looks be- about forty. Can I just point that out? Like he's got a seriously haggard face for a little boy. There, there, there's looks- a there's a scene in the background where he's quickly shaving. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I don't look now. It's bloody scary. <laughs> he's the scariest a... thing in Halloween. That kid, <laughs> the ageless man. There's a moment where he pulls out these comics from underneath the sofa, and at first I did think he was going to pull out some arty pamphlets. When he's like, <laughs> "Mum doesn't know these are down here," and I thought, "Oh no!" It turns out they were just comic books. They're just comic books, man. He's got years ahead of him. Yeah. It sounds like you're just falling off your chair. I nearly spilt my beer. It's fine. Everything's okay. That that was quite scary. That was scarier than Michael Myers. Do you mind just checking that there's nobody in the house with you? There's nobody behind you, is there? I hope not. Well, if so, just for professionalism, I will carry on, guys. If Bloggy does cease to exist, you know, the show must go on. I'll still be here. That's all right. Everything's going to be okay, I think. Yeah, that's the famous last words, isn't it? I'll be right back, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's... Tommy really, really does look quite old. Well observed. That's thank you. <laughs> That's a bit of trivia I never saw anywhere. That's one of those things where when you say it, I immediately want to check it out <laughs> and to see how old this guy look, how much of a jutted chin does he have? He look, I, I just, I just think that he looks very, very old. I, I, when I, maybe it was the TV that I watched it on. Maybe it was just really poor quality, but he looks like he's about fifty. I don't. I'm not entirely yeah. convinced that he isn't. I am checking his picture out now, and he does kind of look very cynical and haunted um, for what was meant to he be does, a ten-year-old boy. He? Yeah, 
It's like John Carpenter said, find me a child that looks like a jack-o'-lantern and bring him to me, and he will be my Tommy Doyle. Find me a literal pumpkin head. He does look like a bit, he looks like, you know, like a, you know, a gargoyle. <laughs> like, if you, if you sat him outside of a cathedral, he'd blend in. You wouldn't know. I feel really sorry for him. If, if Tommy Doyle is still alive and well, like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, I hope he's still alive and well. There's only a kid in the film. Young Brian, Brian Andrews, I believe his name was. Um, he, Brian Andrews. Brian, he was a boy called a ten-year-old boy called Brian. So in this day and age, that doesn't happen anymore. I see what else he's been in. I'm also on his IMDb page now. Yeah, he hasn't been in an awful lot, but he's he looks like the sort of person who'd go to Marks and Spencers and buy a ninety p cake and lord it over people. Hey, I don't regret my night last night. Okay, I just regret my morning. <laughs> <laughs> He hasn't been he hasn't been an awful lot since Halloween. He was in the Great Santini, so if you haven't seen that, neither have I. Um, no. Sweetwater. No. Lazarus Apocalypse, which sounds like something straight from sci-fi. No. And he no. was credited credited as Nerdy Kid in Three O'clock High. Ooh, that's pretty good. I mean, before he Halloween, Three High. he was in a film called Intimate Strangers. <laughs> Doesn't sound like something um, a ten-year-old boy should be in. He looks fucking old for his age. Yes, he does look quite old for his age. I, I, I would like to believe he was still, you know, maybe at least fifteen, playing a ten-year-old. Laurie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was actually the only teenager teenager who portrayed a teenager in the film. So the other ones were older. How much older? I don't know, but Tommy looks older than all of them. I, without obviously looking at their date of births, they, you know, maybe at least early 20s, early to mid-20s, but okay. Jamie Lee Curtis was the only one who actually was pretty much acting her age. And she was the only one that didn't get her wabos out. Um, you're right, actually, yeah. I mean, Tommy and Lindsay didn't either, but they're also kids, so uh, I'll take that back. We're, we're quite glad of that. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually they do actually make a, make a joke about that in the film, actually. When when Linda brings her boyfriend back, uh, Bob, Linda and Bob come back. She, she, he's like, oh, he says, you know, I'll take you take I'll take your clothes off, you take mine, and then we'll take Lindsay's off. And Lindsay's like yes, a ten year old kid. Yes, they do say that. Yeah, and I, I could, don't get it. Um, I don't want to get it. I don't think, but it was this kind of. I know it's asterisk caveat post note. It was clearly a joke in the film, but still, I thought, oh, why do you even joke about that? I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I remember that happening, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, that's. <laughs> Well, he, thank God he died because he's clearly. He does get his come uppance when Michael's massive blade impales him against a wall and he just stands there and admires him. This is my other point as well is that all the women's deaths are very like, so when, um, when Linda gets it, she, th- like, Laurie thinks that it's a dirty phone call and that she's phoned her up. That's to- right have the sex noises and all that and it's just like so when um when bob dies and when the guys die it's really violent compared to the women like so with I think getting men, strangled and getting your throat sliced is still quite violent getting strangled and getting your throat sliced is very very bit they're getting they're getting like you know it's all kind of a bit uh, and like breathy and a bit you know well, like guess before that yeah she was like, in her pants and um and sorry i keep forgetting her name linda she was literally had a 
had her bazookas out and she was saying, you know, have you seen something you like? So they were objectified before they died. That bit does happen, right? Because on Sky Movies, they cut her tits out. That bit does happen, I can confirm. She's like, yeah, well, I, I watched it and I was like, where are the boobs? Where's the, like, on screen when he goes, here's the obligatory boob shot. That's and it. I was like, here's the obligatory boob shot. And it never <laughs> happened. And I was like, where are all the tits? And it's just Michael Myers I'm standing like, there. I'm like, you know, a massive pervert. But I just, I knew that they were supposed Liar. to be there and they weren't there. So you were on boob watch? Yeah, I felt, I, I felt quite, you know, let down by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's get the Blu-ray. You can see them in all their crystal clear quality. In stunning HD. Like, yeah. I'm really here. I actually have choir practice tomorrow, so no. Choir practice? Genuinely. I'm not going to pretend to believe that. I do! I really do! You are kidding me. Not, no! There's, there's nothing wrong with that at all, but I did I not... Joined was... like a, I joined like a uh, an all-women's choir. So it's like 40, 40 women are going to sing for um, Marie Curie. Oh, that's uh, that's quite cool, actually. Oh, I didn't. Expect, I, I'm sorry. I apologise for sounding surprised by that. No. So instead of looking at tits, I'm going to choir. Thank you very much. Full of women. Women. I now choir. look like a tit. <laughs> <laughs> you need to upgrade your Sky package, I think. But uh, the one, uh, the one I watched it on was the Blu-ray version. So everything was in there. So if you do want to go and check out any parts of it, get the Blu-ray because it's all in there. Also, what's in there is, like you mentioned here, they get the breathy phone call from Linda and Laurie's thinking that it's some kind of weird... It's almost like she's had it, she's heard it all before. Like, ah, oh, you're doing this again. You think, well, how yeah. messed up are these kids? But, you know, Michael Myers is actually throttling her, asphyxiating you know, her with this phone call. And she then decides to go over, you know, cut a long story short. Laurie goes over and that's when the film has its kind of final duel, final... It's been building up to the moment where the two of them come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you kind of like you have that whole build up of all the you know every everyone's getting picked off like one by one, and Laurie's getting more and more isolated. And if you want to kind of look at the theory side of things, then that's when she truly becomes like the final girl. Because yeah. for anyone that doesn't know, um, with slasher films, the convention of the final girl is that she's she's kind of a little bit different to the rest of them. So we were saying that she's a bit of a bookworm and she's a bit shy and she's not really interested in boys. And she's 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 a virgin, basically. She's just a big, frigid, sober girl. <laughs> um, and she's got... <laughs> you said that, so much malice in your voice. I did, didn't I? I'm like, damn her. I'm dead. <laughs> Um, she's she's got you know she hasn't she's got, got to the chocolate in bed stuff. stage yet. <laughs> Shut up. There's a lot of worse things I could have been doing. Okay, that's true. Yeah, I was eating chocolate cake. Michael Myers wouldn't come and kill me for that. Yeah, join you. The other two of like they've shirked their responsibility and they've gone and had sex. And Michael Myers has come to like punish them for it basically because sex equals death and drinking equals death and drugs equals death, which they're doing all three of those. And Laurie's left with the kids. And she's now become, even though she's, you know, she's clearly, she's not really, like, au fait with boys and stuff like that. She's she's become, like, a mother. And um, that's really cool. I find that, like, really interesting because it's arguably, like, it's been pushed at a female audience, yet at the same time it's really pigeonholing 
you know, this, this, you know, oh, look at these like promiscuous girls. And then look at this one who's kind of like the mother figure. And she's got that really ugly, like the skirt and the tights combo thing that she's got going on. It's just all of that, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she has got that kind she has got that bookish look to her, which is clearly what the what uh, John Carpenter was going for. But it did introduce that final girl premise. And I think yeah. it introduced it well because I mean it wasn't um, she was it wasn't like it was unbelievable that she would you know fight to survive. It wasn't like she'd had a sudden one eighty and she became like Ripley from Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she wasn't really even she was literally surviving because at one point in the in the duel she climbs into a cupboard and just basically whimpers in the corner waiting to die. So it's not like she's yeah. I mean I say that she does get a, a sewing needle or knitting whatever it is um, and stab it in Michael's neck. So she kind of has that reactionary attack and then she pokes him in the eye of a coat hanger but nothing which is really gonna really put him down well, I guess no. a, I guess a I jab mean, to the neck would put most people down but it's one of those things where like so the other the other girls um they're all objectified as well so as we were saying apart from I didn't get to see them because sky sucks but we've seen everyone's boobs apart from Laurie's now um you know they've all they've all been pretty bloody useless at defending themselves as well. So I guess they they kind of represent like this this idea of the fallen woman. You know they're they're just shit at everything. Um, <laughs> they can't even defend themselves. Whereas Laurie, she she's defending herself with kind of very typical female. You know she's got a knitting needle. She runs into a wardrobe and stabbed him with a coat hanger. You know, and you know all this kind of kind of looked a bit backstreet abortion-y, but um, wow, she's, <laughs> she's you know she's got she's got all of these weapons that are uh, associated with womanhood, but they're also really feeble. And she doesn't really toughen up and butch up until she takes his weapon, which is his knife. And his manhood, if you will, his masculinity. Man- yes, exactly. She hits him where it hurts, which is in the knife. <laughs> Please written on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, the instruments she uses weren't exactly... The knitting needle, it would be remiss to say that wouldn't cause them damage. I'd imagine if I got one of those through the jug, you know, I'd probably die very quickly. Michael, however, survives, and that's when we get the first idea that Maybe this, maybe Loomis isn't a raven lunatic. He he's he knows what he's talking about when he says yeah. this isn't a man. This is a it. There's nothing you know human about this this person. He's getting yeah. he's getting a knitting needles to the neck. The coat hanger to the eye would probably just be a temporary annoyance, um, but to me it would take my eye out. So yeah, she's 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 just surviving. She's not battling. She's not whipping out guns, or she's not going to get knives. She's not hitting him with chairs. She's just basically trying not to, or trying to prolong the the fact that she's going to get killed. Mm. Um, but Loomis is hanging around. He's seen Michael's in the area, and he's he loomising. Comes... <laughs> Fuck's sake! You, you don't loomis a beat, do you? He's um, he's there. He comes out and he's shoots him basically. So he, he comes in and he just pumps Michael full of lead. He got he unloads on him. And then Michael falls over the balcony in a quite over-the-top fashion, may I quickly add. And then he disappears, yeah. and Loomis kind of looks as if to say, I knew this was going to happen, this is not a surprise. And Laurie's left basically just to cry in the corner, because she's absolutely you know, traumatised by what's happened. Yeah. I'm going to like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back, though, yeah. to a scene that I've just remembered that like, I thought was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> go on, then. 
was that bit where Laurie's like banging on people's doors though, just before that. And like no nobody answers the door mm-hmm. and everyone turns the lights off. That's really like it's quite troubling, really, because they're supposed to be in this lovely, you know, like idyllic community where everyone's helping one another, but then as soon as someone's in trouble and as soon as, you know, like someone needs help, everyone doesn't want to open their door to trouble. But then they wonder why all the teenagers have been stabbed and killed and why they're all like promiscuous and it's because an old woman turned their light off. You can actually see somebody in the window, can't you? Kind of looking out and then, yeah. and then, so they actually look out the window and see that it's this panicked, frantic woman and still turns off the light. Yeah. Like it's quite, I don't know. I mean, it's a bit like, it's, it's sort of like showing that there's a culture that's kind of deprived of this like human concern for each other. Yeah. You know, there's no um, helpfulness or anything. It's completely against what, the suburb represents and it's only until you know michael myers is really like made his presence known and started killing people that that happens because before that you can't get rid of people there's people everywhere True. everyone's trying to help you know it's just a bit i found that bit quite interesting okay it also asked the question as well if you were in that position would you open your door to help them yeah because this is like in psychology we were taught that um if you if you shout help, no one will come to you because the idea is, is that if you're shouting help and someone you know opens their door or you're going to become part of that trouble mm-hmm. like whatever happens. Whereas if you shout fire, people will come and help you because it could affect them. So Things like if you're in a here. yeah, and it's like and they did they did studies on it and stuff and it's like that's how shit humans are. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> you true. Shout it help, is true or rape or something, no one's going to come. But if you shout fire, people will come and help you because they're scared that their stuff's going to get burnt. We've, we've, so we now know, obviously, that Loomis was right. Laurie is just absolutely battered by her experience. In terms of the ending itself, because it is quite... It's a fairly abrupt ending. What did, mm. you, what did, did it satisfy you having seen what had come before or did it kind of leave you wanting more? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's quite difficult for me because I, by the time that I'd got round to watching Halloween, I already thought it was crap. It was only because of the, you know, the kind of like as, as a, you know, oh, I'm scared. It's not really, it doesn't, it didn't scare me. It didn't shock mm-hmm. me. Um, I could appreciate it for what it was, but it, it you know, it, it doesn't make me want to turn all the lights on in my house and cower under the bed. Um, but as an ending, I think it um, obviously, I think ignoring the fact that it then became a franchise, it could have mm. been left there. It could have been left there. But I suppose that's the beauty of it was that they probably didn't know that it was going to turn into a franchise because they really, you know, no, nobody wanted it made by the sounds of stuff. It wasn't really going to be commercially successful. So the fact that that ending then sets you up for however many films they've done now it's um it's pretty good really <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right though. they could have they could have left it there and it wouldn't have i mean it would have just been one of those kind of mystery films where it could have been like the the ultimate like what if type film where mm. 40 years later we're still talking about do you remember that film halloween i wonder what happened next and i wonder what happened with michael and did he ever come back but it was a guy called mustafa akkad who uh financed the film yeah. And he was the one who didn't really have any faith in it. And then suddenly, when it made $70 million worldwide, he suddenly thought, well, 
fuck it, let's make like 15 of these. Um, yeah. So he yeah. was fully behind it, but quite like the ending because I don't always, me, I don't always need some sort of like a, a huge, massive ending where, or kind of a happy go lucky ending where it has, you know, Michael's not there anymore and then it fades into a scene at like a dinner table and everyone's happy and, you know, we realise that everything's yeah. okay. I don't always need and that. No so... one's got PTSD, you know? Exactly, like everyone's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. It's like none of it happened, but even though they almost all just got their you know, their hearts cut out. But uh, so I like the fact that it just kind of ended on that mystery. And yes, we did get the subsequent films, which I know we're probably gonna quickly go into shortly, but I mean as a film then, Halloween, we've discussed it. I know you chose the film, so I kind of know what you're saying is as a film, what are your overall impressions? And, you know, would you give it a thumbs up to anyone who asked? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's um, I think it's one of those films where you can't, it's so cliche, but you, you can't overlook it. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't, um, you can't really turn around and go, oh, yeah, you know, Hall- Halloween's, Halloween's, like, not a very good horror film. Because it, it really is. Like, it, t- it ticks every box that you would want a horror film to tick. But I think and I think that's when, you know, like subsequent remakes of it, like Rob Zombie's reimagining of it kind of refreshed it and perhaps made it a bit a bit more um, appropriate for, for now. Because mm-hmm. obviously when it when Halloween was made, I mean, when, when was it? What was it? 78? 78. Yeah, it was released in 78. I mean, a lot's changed since then. And clearly this is a film that's trying to play on cultural fears and social fears and if I had time, I'd try and argue that it was trying to say something about Vietnam as well. So it's, yeah. it's it's bringing stuff into the suburb, basically, which had never been done before because it was always in a remote, exotic location somewhere. As a film in itself to watch, yeah, it's a bit of a slog, but it's still perfectly enjoyable. It's not unwatchable and it's not it's not entirely terrible. So, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a midway for me. <laughs> I okay. appreciate it more than I enjoy to watch it. That's fair enough as well. It's a, I like it. I think it's a good film. Yeah, it, I think it holds up well because it doesn't have those over-the-top gore scenes which can yeah. date very quickly. The score hasn't dated. I don't think the... Oh, I mean, the, no, yeah, that's amazing. The look of it, it you know, it's of, it, it doesn't... It doesn't. I mean, parts of it look dated in terms of what they're wearing and how, and what, how they talk. But who cares? It's in the 70s. It's, it's cool. I, I, feel, I thought it was good. I like the fact, like I say, it builds more on the tension uh, and the atmosphere than all-out hell. It's got a few decent jump scares in. There's one where the, a gutter smashes through the window when Loomis is talking to the sheriff in the room where Michael slaughtered his sister. That's quite a good little jump scare, but they didn't rely on him too much. It kind of it was more just teasing who is this boogeyman who keeps appearing in these most inappropriate of places. Um, so I thought it was okay. Yeah, is it the best horror film of all time? No, it's certainly not. I mean, it's been it's a preserved film. I think in the United States, it's got a historical meaning to it. It's you know that can't ever be the original can never be, you know, d- deleted deleted or whatever the how however they do it. It's a preserved movie, so it's a piece of American history. I think it's very good. I like it. I think we are going to see better films, but it did spawn a lot of conventions, a lot of cliches from that came from this film. And it also spawned 10 sequels. I think the 11th sequel was called Michael Myers is Alive and Well and Living in London, but that was Kane. <laughs> Brilliant. And eating cake in bed. <laughs> yeah. Michael eats cake in bed and gets in hair. 
Um, <laughs> Michael Myers my... is alive and well and suffering from heartburn. <laughs> yeah. This, oh, uh, this, I think Halloween 2 was okay. And then they just got progressively worse, I think. Yeah. I know you like the Rob Zombie reimagining, so. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I really, really do. Because I think it, it gives you that... It gives you that kind of background that you're missing from the mm-hmm. from the first one. You know, like what what made this kid kill his sister? Like what what is the problem here? <laughs> you know, and uh, the whole Laurie being his sister kind of explains that a bit more as well. Because I don't think that's really explained. No, um, I get the, the Rob Zombie films do get pooped on an awful lot, but they but they do give some exposition to what's going on which does actually benefit the film I think like you say just giving a little bit more time into Michael's story because I know a lot of people like just to have like the faceless killer with no backstory because they find it a lot scarier to have this nobody come you know come in to slaughter everybody but I thought the exposition worked well in those films they were very much of this time though yeah or of their time it's what 10 10 odd years ago now is it really about 10 probably about 10 12 years ago now um, yeah, I think it's two thousand and so I think I want to say two thousand and seven, and then two thousand and nine. So yeah, um, eleven and nine years ago. There's some decent maths for you there, guys. I guess it would be remiss not to say that in four months' time, almost to the day, we're getting a re. Uh, we're not a remake. We're getting a the sequel, the the official sequel, I guess, to Halloween. John Carpenter's back. Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Even the bloke who played Michael Myers is back. What do you think? I know you've seen the trailer and I know you had opinions about it, but are you looking forward to that remake? Yeah, like I am I am looking forward to it. Not like a remake, sorry, sequel. It's it's one of those like I've seen a lot of hype about it on Twitter where people are going, Oh, this looks amazing, it looks amazing, like it looks alright and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna I'm just gonna wait and see how how it pans out because at the moment from what the trailer's shown me I just I hope that they're gonna they're gonna bring something new to the table and they're not just gonna John Carpenter isn't just gonna rehash what he did, you know, in, in the seventies because that it that does kind of look like it just looks like a more stylized Halloween whereas what I want is like Halloween two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There, there's there's paying homage and trying to make it feel like the original, and then there's just redoing the original, yeah. which is a fine line I think because you do want it to have that. Uh, familiarity, but you don't yeah. want it to be so familiar that it's just it, that it becomes a re, a remake or a reboot. I've got, I'm holding out just because it's Carpenter and yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis has basically been Carpenter. dragged into it. Um, and I say that because she was, she came back for the some of the sequels, probably for a bit of a paycheck, maybe. But she's oh, she was, <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, good God, she was dissolute. I wanted to drown myself in H two after that, but she was. <laughs> disillusioned with the franchise and you know I didn't want anything to do with it so the fact that the script or the story is brought her back in makes me think that you know maybe there's something there which is going to is going to make it interesting and not just a straight up reboot so you know having having Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis back gives me a bit of hope that they're not just in it for a quick and easy one yeah yeah that's true I mean and I, I trust John Carpenter anyway and I've got no yeah. doubt that he's going to um have the you know have the same kind of forethought and vision that he had when he when he made it the first time around 
Yeah, I, just, I, I hope they keep it simple as well and don't go too over the top. I hope they keep it practical as well and don't throw in CGI or silliness like that. But this is the guy who wrote things like They Live and The Fog, so I've got I've got some hope in him. So Yeah. No, so, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Um, so Halloween. on Out of 10, on the bloggy Chateau meter, how much did this scare you? How much did it scare me? Oh, like a three? No, that's like that. Even that's too much. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a one point five. <laughs> one point five out of ten. Every show we do, we're gonna have the. We're gonna have the bloggy shatter me at every show. So how much did it scare Elizabeth, Lily, or Bloggy? They're all the same person. Yep. So one and a half out of ten for Halloween. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't scare me. I'm sorry, guys. No, but we both agree that it's still a decent film. It's a it may not be the, what movie, yeah. Yeah, it may not be the scariest film of all time, which it does have its moments. Like, As we've said, it does have its moments. Yeah. It it didn't scare me, but it, it did make me feel suitably uncomfortable. I'm trying to just remember, because I've seen it so many times now, so I'm trying to remember like the first time I watched it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, felt, I felt uncomfortable. I felt... Uh, I felt unease and I think that's that's really what it was trying to do I don't think it was ever trying to scare people no I guess it's kind of and it's hard sometimes because lots of people see these kind of films when they're far too young to watch them so I guess if mm-hmm. you try to put yourself in the in your position when you were how, however you old you were and your first impressions maybe that's probably a better barometer but I mean on subsequent viewings if a film is scary a film is scary I mean I've there's that film again The Exorcist still scares the shit out of me I know I've seen it like five times a week, but I still get sucked in and drawn into it, and it still just terrifies me. So sometimes a film can just grab grab you by the short and curlies and hold on to you. But Halloween, it had its moments, but it it was not. I think in subsequent episodes we're going to have films which are going to, you know, yeah. terrify slightly more. I'm going to see one on Saturday, which I hope really does um, make me ooze from my anus. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, well, um, there's going to be no picture evidence of that. But um, so Halloween, is there anything else you know you've wanted to get off your chest? Anything else you want to say about Halloween, or do you think you've covered it? Your parts? No, yeah, no, I think I've, I think I've kind of got it, got it off my chest for now. I don't know if I've got it off my chest in a very articulate way, but um, I've done my best. <laughs> I think you've done very well, but that is well. That's that for this first episode of Death by Pod from us guys i hope you've all enjoyed i've had a blast doing it uh, i think blog is wonderful which is fantastic uh, and articulate believe it or not you are with your Aww. with how you put it and um what i enjoy is that i feel like i'm talking to somebody who has no pretense if i don't like it i don't like it even though we're doing a even though we're doing a pod about a film it doesn't mean we're going to sit here and wax about it saying it's the best thing ever then go off air and say that was shit so i, I appreciate that oh cheers dude that's all right, no problem. Well, as I said, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. This is only the first episode. We're going to do this every month. And if there are uh, flagship or major horror movie releases d- during the year, we may even throw in a couple of special episodes where we just discuss that film. And then, obviously, later on, we'll go in- on and do our monthly show. So um, thank you for coming on today, Lily Elizabeth Bloggy. Where can the world find you online? You can find me, uh, Bloggy Balboa, on WordPress or Bloggy Balboa on Twitter. 
amazingly enough. <laughs> I, I, I'll never grow tired of the Blocky Balboa pseudonym. It's oh. rocked my world. Um, <laughs> you can find me at what I watch tonight at Code UK or galumphing around on Twitter and Instagram. You're listening to this show on iTunes or you might be listening to it on the website Podknife, Tuna, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, we are on there. So please do check out what we do because it's good. I like it. If you like if you like this show or you like Halloween, tell people you know, you know, share it. There's nothing better than hearing good things about the show. If we haven't mentioned something you like, let us know. If you disagree with us, let us know. Just do it nicely. But if you don't like anybody, you don't like what you've heard, just don't tell anybody. So until next time, it's a it's a uh, it's a spooky goodbye from me and from Elizabeth. Bye. What a lady. See you later, guys. <laughs>